right. Well, we are continuing on the journey to Christmas. One week to go. And we've talked about the silence of Christmas, how for 400 years that uh, God had not spoken to Israel. And, and when he did, he did it in a very quiet way. Not this big, you know, you would think, oh, I've got an announcement that the, that the Messiah is going to be born. Do, 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 you know, <laughs> be ready, get ready, he's coming. But he didn't. Very quietly, he came to Zacharias and Elizabeth. Very quietly, he came to Mary. And so the, the truth of the matter is, is that God was, was preparing us in a very quiet way. And then last week, we saw the songs that came out of, uh, out of the fact of the Holy Spirit being with Mary the Holy Spirit being with Elizabeth, and the Holy Spirit being with John, even in the fetus, even in the womb, and then the Holy Spirit being with uh, Zacharias. And so we saw these songs that came out of that. And, and I suppose you're, if you're like me, there are times when God speaks to me through songs. Some of them are like the songs we sing today. You know, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Man, that's a song we ought to be singing today, right? Not the first coming, but the second coming. I'm ready. Right? And, and the Holy Spirit sings to us. This, but this Sunday, I want us to look at the sacrifices that came with Christmas. Because we have, we don't, when we think about Christmas, what do you think about? What? Speak up, loud. Family. Family. Okay. What? Jesus, Jesus. okay. Boy, you guys are getting getting back what you deserve? Getting, yeah, okay. Uh, Getting what I deserve. And he's right on the button, Alan. Because that's really how we program even our children. What's the, one of the first things we do, even if they don't want to, they have to go sit on Santa's lap. And what do they do? They tell him, this is what I want for Christmas. Right? Or cry. Right? And, and then as soon as they get old enough to write every Christmas, well, you need to write your Christmas list to Santa. Anybody, anybody been watching any of the old movies? We watched, we watched uh, It's a Wonderful Life yesterday. Well, I taped it because I, I like to go through the commercials. <laughs> right? But that's one, I have to watch that every year because Clarence, Angel second class, right? But the miracle on 34th Street, anybody watched it yet this year? How do they prove that the gentleman is Santa Claus? They bring all the letters that are, that are sent to the U.S. Postal Service that are listed just to Santa Claus. And the Postal Service decides to dump them all in his lap. I just love that scene. 
But that's the way we have defined Christmas. What am I going to get? When I, was, when I was a kid, we had, uh, we had the Sears Wish Book, right? It used to come out. We would, we would, you know, circle, point. This is what we want for Christmas. Hoping mom and dad are going <laughs> to take a look. But that's really, when we think about Christmas in the, uh, as we look at the world view, uh, that's usually what it's all about. What am I going to get? But when we look at the first Christmas, the reality is it was all about sacrifice. It was all about sacrifice. So turn first to last week we ended at Luke 1.79. Turn to Luke 1.80. And we're going to talk about Zacharias and Elizabeth, and this is talking about the birth of John the Baptist, and it ends up in Luke 1.80, and the child, John, continued to grow, to become strong in spirit. He lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Is that what Zacharias and Elizabeth prayed for? No. What did they pray for? We want a little boy to carry on the priesthood. They could trace back, not just Zacharias, but Elizabeth. They could trace their lineage all the way back to Aaron. And they wanted a little boy to carry on. You know, I have a uh, my son, Joshua, is the last of the Ashley boys. And I so wanted a grandson. Not going to happen. But you know what? Sometimes our expectations are more than what God's going to do. Because our expectations, we, they get shattered and we go, ah! Right? We, we, we complain and we go, what's going on, God? Well, with Elizabeth and Zacharias, they had prayed for a little boy to become the priest. But what happened to John? Where did John end up? In the desert. Kind of like another person we know, the Apostle Paul. Right? When the Paul got saved, the Holy Spirit took him out into the desert. You see, they expected young John to go and, and study at the temple to become a priest. They expected him to train in the scriptures. But God says, no, I'm going to take him into the wilderness and I'm going to teach him myself through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what happened with, with Paul? The Holy Spirit taught Paul. Zacharias and Elizabeth had to give up their expectations. And sometimes we have to give up our expectations. <laughs> this is the time of year when a lot of expectations get broken, isn't it? Remember when you first got married? For all of you married folks, you first got married and the first holiday season arrived. 
right? Oh, we're going to go to my folks for Thanksgiving because, oh, no, no, wait a second. No, we have to go to, we have to go to our, the, this side of the family for, no. Well, well what are we going to do? Well, hopefully they're far enough apart, or, or the time's far enough apart that you can eat way too much, right? Your expectations, and then Christmas comes. How many of you came into your marriage relationship and you never talked about Christmas until it came? Oh, at my house, Christmas Eve. Nobody missed Christmas Eve at evening at Grandma and Grandpa's house. Everybody was there, all the cousins. All, every, I mean, it was a crowd. And all of a sudden, you got married, and, and it was like, uh, no, I have the expectation that we're going to have a very quiet Christmas Eve at home and the big days on Christmas morning. Oh, that, that caused more than a little bit of uh, angst, right? And our expectations get shattered and then we go, oh, what are we going to do? But Elizabeth and Zacharias knew from the very beginning that John was going to be special and they did everything they could, and then they turned him over to God, kind of like a little guy by the name of Samuel. Remember him? Hannah, we talked about that. That was something that Elizabeth could have looked at and said, you know what? God provided. But then what did Hannah have to do? She had to release him to the Lord. And that's exactly what Zacharias and Elizabeth did. Do you realize that after verse 80, Luke, verse 80, 180, you never hear of Zacharias and Elizabeth again. God had one purpose for them, to raise this little baby to the point where God could take over. Joseph and Mary are much the same way. You don't, you don't see a lot about them. You don't see anything about Joseph after Jesus was 12 years old. They did their job. Sometimes we need to release our expectations to God and say, okay, God, I'm going to sacrifice my expectations for your greater glory. And what did John go on to do? He, go, he went on to be John the baptizer, the one who, who was down by the river wearing his camel hair coat and uh, his beard down to here and eating honey and locusts and baptizing people for the repentance of sin and pointing to one man, behold the Lamb of God that does what? Takes away the sins of the world. That was his job, and they did everything they could, but they had to release their expectations that he would be a priest. Well, let's look at another uh, portion of Scripture that talks about some more sacrifices. In Matthew chapter 1, we're going to... All right, Matthew 1, 18, 25. There, okay, all right. There we go. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Turn there with me. 
another portion of the Christmas story. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned on sending her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what the prophet, fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Yeshua. What does that name mean? Savior. Yahshua, Savior, you shall have a son, and his name will not only be God with us, it will be Yahshua, Savior. Well, as we look at this passage, I want you to see a couple things. First of all, Mary sacrificed her reputation. Where had she gone immediately after she met with Gabriel? She had conceived this child through the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Almighty, she ran away and she went to see her cousin, Elizabeth and Zacharias. And it says she stayed there how long? Three months. And just as John was about to be born, Mary said, I need to get home. I got some splaining to do. So Mary comes home and she, she, she probably... I mean, if she's like most women, she had a bit of a baby bump, but nothing that loose-fitting clothes can't cover. So she gets home. How was she found? Because it said she was, it says that she was found to be with child. How was she found out? She could cover it up a little bit. Well, there's this very unique thing in the Jewish culture. It's called... And let me get the pronunciation right. It's called the mikviv. The mikviv. You find it in Leviticus chapter 15. And every woman, uh, every, every time they had a menstrual cycle, once their menstrual cycle were, was through, there in every village, there would be a ceremonial pool. And it had specific things that had to happen. It couldn't be flowing water. It had to be contained water. And so they would have to go there and they would have to do a purification. So they would go after their, 
their menstrual cycle was done, they would go to, the, to do this ceremonial, uh, ceremonial uh, washing. And the little town of Nazareth, 200 people, they would have, they, quite often, anybody ever heard of this? Where, where people who live in, in small geographical locations quite often cycle at the same time women do? I mean, there, there's, there's like stories of, of islands where all the men leave for a week to go fishing every 28 days, right? But, but so in this little town, Mary is very conspicuously missing coming to the pool. Pretty soon, people are going to do what? Right? They're going to start talking. What's going on with Mary? You know, they're going to they're going to do that sideways look to see if they can see the baby bump. You know, people are going to And of course there's there you know the family may have already figured this out because Mary would have said, "Hey, wait a second. I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit." What? We really don't even know anything about the Holy Spirit. God's been silent for 400 years. You think us, you want us to believe that you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Come on. And even her fiance, what does it say about him? He, he, he wants to hide her away. Matter of fact, Joseph sacrificed his rights because once he found out that she was pregnant, Deuteronomy 24 tells us that he had the right to, at the least, give her a certificate of divorce. And that was not something that was hidden. I mean, you had to have witnesses, and they signed the document, and it would be presented to her, and he, she would be divorced. But what does it say about Joseph? says that even before the Holy Spirit, or before the angel spoke to him, he had decided, I don't want to embarrass Mary. I don't want her. But what is it going to take? He wants to send her away secretly. He doesn't want to be married to her anymore, but he doesn't want to embarrass her. And so he wants to give her this certificate and send her away. Go live in Jerusalem. Go someplace else. Give up all of your family. But I don't want you to be ridiculed. But when the Holy Spirit comes, or when the, excuse me, when the angel comes and speaks to, to Joseph, it says he decided, what did he do? He took Mary as his wife. Now he went ahead and married her. I doubt it was a very big, you know, <laughs> the big church wedding, right? It wasn't a big hoopla because his family now knows, her family now knows, they don't want to have anything to do with it. They might have just slipped down and had the, to, the, to the Las Vegas drive-up chapel of the bells. They very quietly got married and he, he did not divorce her. And he gave up also one other right. And he kept her as a virgin until she gave birth to a son. 
He gave up his rights sexually to his wife. That was in the Jewish culture. The culmination of the wedding was the wedding night. You can watch, you can see that with Isaac and Rebecca. You can see it with some other, uh, with some other uh, Jewish people. You watch this, that's the culmination. And he says, nope, God told me that she is sacred until she has this baby. And so he gave up his rights. Matter of fact, Joseph also gave up his rights as a father. See, he had, he had the responsibility of raising Jesus, and he would have, Jesus being the firstborn, would have followed him in the business. That's why, that's why we call, because Joseph was a carpenter, right? Jesus was called a carpenter. He gave him his, he, he would have inherited the family business. But what does Jesus do? Uh-uh. Because remember, the last, when's the last time we see Joseph in the Bible? Anybody know? When they, when they lose Jesus. When he was 12 years old, they take him to the temple and they're having the big Passover celebration and they get ready to go home and, and everybody thinks Jesus is 12 and they think he's with everybody else and, and they get three, or three, journey, three days away and they're like going, or a day and a half away, and they're like, where's Jesus? And they have to go back. They have to go all the way back and... And they're looking all over town. Where would a 12-year-old hang out? I know where I would have been. I would have been down by the River Jordan fishing. But, but Jesus is in the temple. And what does Jesus say? Uh, wouldn't you know that I would be in my father's house doing my father's business? I think Joseph realized my work is done. Because that's the last time you see Joseph. You don't, you don't hear anything about his death. You don't hear anything about how he influenced Jesus as a teenager because the next time we're going to see Jesus, you see Jesus and his mom, Mary, at a wedding. Joseph sacrificed all of that. Now, he had other, he had other sons and daughters with Mary. We know of at least four boys and possibly two girls that that were part of this family. But Joseph had to give Jesus. There's a song that we sometimes hear at Christmas time. Listen for it on the radio. It wasn't his child. Beautiful, beautiful song. Look it up on YouTube. I absolutely love the, the tone of the, of, the, of the song talking about how Joseph gave up everything to make sure that Jesus had what he needed. And then Joseph said, my work here is done. And he quietly slips off the scene. Well, let's run back now to the Luke, Luke's account, verses 1 to 7. Now, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
and everyone was on the way to register for the census, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And while they were there, the days were accomplished for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So this is kind of an interesting story because we have this event that takes place. It's a worldwide event. The Roman emperor says everybody is going to, going to go back to their hometowns and they're going to register. Now, what was he doing? He's raising money because when you register, you had to pay the Roman tax. So he needs some, uh, Caesar Augustus needs some money. And so he says, let's have this. And people are, are having to move all over the place. And the Roman soldiers were going out. And we know this took quite a bit of time because they're still in Bethlehem and Jesus, is there, they rent a home and they have to stay there long enough uh, to establish their residency before the wise men come. So they're there for some time. Now the interesting thing about this to me is it, the text implies that Mary and Joseph traveled alone. Bethlehem. In Luke chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 1, they give us the genealogies of Jesus. And they all, both Mary and Joseph, come through David. Now what does that mean about their families? Their families also came through David. Both Mary's family and Joseph's families both come through David, which means where do they have to go? They have to go to Bethlehem, the city of David. So all of Joseph's family and all of Mary's family are on their way to the same place, Bethlehem. Wouldn't you have thought, let's take our pregnant daughter, our pregnant daughter-in-law to be, let them go with us. They need protection. They need the wisdom of having a midwife, having a mom to be there for this, for this birth of this baby, maybe even grandma there for the birth of this. They all would have been traveling, but Mary and Joseph travel alone. Mary and Joseph sacrifice their families. How hard is, would that have been? I have a good friends of ours that uh, she was a Jehovah Witness. And uh, she was dating Mark, one of my good friends. One of my, he became a, later became a deputy. And uh, Mark and Jackie were madly in love. And Mark's mother had cancer. And as she was laying in her hospital bed, just before she passed away, they were there visiting. 
And Claudia said, I want to speak with Jackie alone. Would everybody else give us a moment? And in the quietness of her hospital room while she was dying of cancer, she led Jackie to the Lord. Jackie went home and told her family that not only am I going to marry Mark, but I've become a believer in Jesus Christ. And they said, pack your bags and leave. And the very next week, they had a funeral for her. She gave up everything for God. Mary and Joseph must have felt much like that. Here they're traveling alone the the 70 to 90 miles, depending on which route you take up through the mountains of of Judea from Nazareth up to to Bethlehem. and, And she's pregnant. She has to get off the donkey every so often. Well, we won't talk about that. You ladies know what I'm talking about. If you've ever had to travel while you're pregnant. And they made it. And of course there was the families that had already gone before them, set up their tents, set up their, their households, and they welcomed them in, right? No. No. They were knocking on the end saying, you got any room for a pregnant lady? Sorry, we'll fall up, but you can have the the stable. You see, Mary and Joseph also gave up their comfort. They they had the one place left in town, a stable next to an inn, and they had baby Jesus there. No family around. Mom and dad weren't there to celebrate the birth of this first grandchild. They all left them be. Matter of fact, God had to go out and fetch some people to celebrate. We'll talk about that next week. And they sacrificed their comfort being having this little child and having to put them put him in a manger with the sheep and the donkeys and the whoever was else was around. But there was somebody else who sacrificed. And this was probably the greatest sacrifice of all. You see, God sacrificed. God sacrificed. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, and being made in the likeness of men, Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, 
even death on the cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? God sacrificed. The Father sacrificed. The one who, it tells us that in the beginning, they were together in the creation, the creator, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that had been there before creation came. And God says, I'm sending you to earth. And, and one of the first things it says in, in this translation is, is Jesus emptied himself. Now, does that mean he got rid of his deity? Absolutely not. Uh, another way of saying this is that he laid aside his privileges. You see, as creator, God, what could he do? He could, he could do anything he wanted. He could speak and something would come into existence. Now, there were times in his life that he took those back when he walked on the water, when he said, peace be still, when he fed the 5,000, when he raised the dead, when he healed the blind and the lame and the sick. You see, he held on to parts of his, but some of it he let go. He let go of his glory. Because when, when God appears, can anyone stand in his glory? No. He would be consumed by the holiness of God. But he let that go. He laid aside his privileges. When I was a captain at the police department, one of the perks is that uh, you don't have to go out on the street all the time and <laughs> do, do police work like, like the officers on patrol do. But every once a month, I would go out on patrol. Usually, I'd try to go on graveyard because graveyard's when things happen. And one of, one, of my, one of the things I did regularly is New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. The other was Super Bowl Sunday. Do you realize Super Bowl Sunday is the number one DUI uh, day of the year? Super Bowl Sunday. So those were two days specifically. But when I would go out on patrol, I would take my captain's bars off. I would leave them in the station. And I would tell the sergeant on duty, I said, you send me wherever I am most useful. Don't, don't let me just sit out here and cherry pick calls. You know, because captains have that right. I said, you use me wherever I'm most needed. You send me on the calls that I can help most with. That's what Jesus did. He said, hey, 
while I'm down here on earth, I'm willing to give up my privileges. I'm not just going to do what I want to do. And ultimately said, I'm going to do the will of the Father. Jesus set those aside. Another thing that he did is that Jesus became a servant. A servant. I mean, when we see Jesus at the Last Supper washing the disciples' feet, and he said, you need to do this like I'm doing. I'm becoming a servant. In Matthew chapter 20, when John and James come, the apostles John and James come to Jesus and say, hey, can we sit on the right and left hand? Jesus turns to him and he says, it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you, you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He said, you, ner- you need to learn to be a servant. We don't have to, you know, there's, there's today, there's a lot of people around, well, I have this right, right? And there, that's a common thing when people are saying, uh, you know, wanting to, wanting to have their way. It's my right. And there are times when God says, you need to just put your rights down. You need to become the servant. You need to become the slave. And he did. He laid that down. There's one other thing that I, that I look at, and is that Jesus bound himself by human flesh. He took on a human body. I mean... I can imagine, <laughs> you ever thought about this? This is the things your pastor thinks about. <laughs> is, because if you've ever been building, right? You ever been building and, and miss? And you hit your thumb? And, you're, and that's when we find out if you're sanctified or not, right? <laughs> you know? What's in the heart comes out the mouth, especially when you hit your thumb with a nail, or, or with a hammer. Right? Jesus had those experiences. Matter of fact, there's a whole uh, part of Hebrews that talks about what his, the reason his, his human existence was important is because it made him feel like us. His father died. How did he feel? When his mother was watching him on the cross, how did he feel? When his best friend died, the shortest verse in the Bible says what? Jesus wept. He took upon himself this human flesh. When it says by his stripes we are healed, he felt the scourge. He felt the nails. And he... he, allowed himself to be put in this body. You know, it's amazing. We see places in the Bible where God transports people from place to place. You know, Jesus had that power. He could have said, 
uh, hey guys, I'm just going to mm, over there and you guys can meet me over there. No. What did Jesus do? He walked. He walked everywhere he went. Why? Because he wanted to be with the 12. He wanted to be with the people who need to be healed. When he was walking through a crowd one day, it, people are pressed all around him, and some lady reaches up to grab the hem of his garment and is healed. That's why he walked everywhere. So that he could be Emmanuel, God with us. And of course, the greatest sacrifice that he made, he sacrificed himself on the cross to pay for the penalty of our sin. Not his. He had no sin. He was the perfect human. But he paid our price on the cross. And that brings us to communion. You see, as we, as we look at the sacrifices of Christmas, Jesus sacrificed his time with in heaven. He came down from heaven. He went back to heaven which is where he is today waiting for us. He gave up that time willingly. 